Thank you for listening to the Microdosing with Alicia podcast. Your time and energy is greatly appreciated. Please join us for our next segment as we continue our conversation with Kim Rayleigh Pickens about how Raj found his tribe of art and activism and how they continue to cultivate the love that they nurtured as a family, bringing them to where they are today in their lives. So, you know, through this time, you guys met, you come into this space of healing with each other and you're healing through art, which is one of the most beautiful things, um, healing modalities, I think, that people can use because it becomes a way to communicate. Like how you said, you kind of spoke this language with him by requesting certain songs that he had written and you doing certain poems that you knew that he was fond of and it became a dialogue between the two of you. In that, in him being a writer and a musician and you being a writer and an author and being um, very close to the poetry community, how did that translate into um, loving each other enough to make an extension of both of you through children? Well, you know, sometimes um, we don't always, um, let's see, you know, sometimes the universe is funny. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes. (laughs) Most times there's always a joke. So yes, God is funny like that. And, you know, we, um, we have been going out for, we actually had gone to the Austin Poetry Festival in, um, in April of, uh, of 2000 and, um, actually 2001. And so around June, I found out that I was pregnant Mm. and, you know, this is the first time I've, I mean, I'd been married before, never had a scare, never even imagined. Like I never thought I was going to have kids. Like that was just something I just, not that I was, I, I think I had made peace with all that. Like it wasn't, okay. it wasn't the end of the world for me because I was okay. almost 30 years old and like, okay. it wasn't really, it, it wasn't like I was like, yes, I've got to have kids. I was just like, eh, I'm having them living life. So when I found out, I was like terrified to tell him cause I'm thinking, oh my God, this is going to be the end of this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, okay. And so at this time you guys were dating we were, were still married we were, already. We, we've been dating for um, probably six months. Okay. So it's and very early. Very early. And so, yes, okay. so that was a worry for me. I was like, ooh, this is going to be good. So yeah, I okay. sat down on the couch and, you know, I just all around the bush. I'm just walking all around the bush. <laughs> and finally, he was like, Are you trying to ask me if we want to get tattoos? And I was like, Oh, <laughs> what? Cause we, cause he was not a tattoo person and it, just, okay. it was the funniest conversation. And I'm like, that is what you got out of my, I was like, okay, <laughs> I've got to be direct because apparently two air signs beating around the bush does not, it's not going to work. Yeah. yeah. So I, you know, I told him and he was just, he looked at me and he was just like, okay. He didn't like get mad. He didn't freak he out. Freak out. He yeah. said, I'm going to go and. I'm just going to go head out for a little bit. And I was like, Ooh, he's never coming back. I'm like, he's gone. <laughs> and what's funny, maybe a couple of hours passed and he came back and he was like, let's do this. And okay. we started talking about like, as if the baby was right there. I mean, just, it was, he made it such 
an interesting experience to like, he did, he was never angry. He was never, he was just like, when he was in, he was all in. And he was ready to be ready. a father, you know, I don't, or I don't even know if you're ready sometimes. You're never ready. That, right. But, <laughs> but at least he was there. He was ready. He to wanted partner. to be there. Yeah. He wanted to be a part of that. And that makes all the difference in the world. And, you know, that just came from like, that's a manifestation of the love that you shared with each other. And I think that's really basically when the more that we talked about it, we knew, I mean, we knew we were in love before that. And Mm -hmm. this was just, you know, as much as I was afraid because I was like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do at, you know, almost years old? And I'm like, I'm not ready for this. But, you know, the thing is that somebody seven years younger than me, because that would have made him like 24 at the time. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, the thing is, it really was a lot. And, yeah, you know, and for somebody who was barely carefree, like I said, you know, laid back kind of guy, kind of nomadic in a way, Yeah, you know, yeah. never really had to to be tied down to anything and to, to mm-hmm. all of a sudden be like, OK, well, and he's an air sign. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. So he's like a kite <laughs> you know, float well, off somewhere. Yeah. You know, he definitely was a I mean, he liked to wander. I had to realize, too, because. You know, for me, you know, I have a very strong sense of social justice. And when I feel like I'm being wronged or somebody I know is being wronged, you know, that's when that little that little light goes off and I I can get very defensive. And so, like I said, there were times where I finally had to get to the point where I'm like, this is him. And if I can accept him, if he can accept me, then I've got to be able to accept him. And that wondering wasn't about other people so much as it was about a need for him to be able to explore. He just had a different way of doing it. Right. And also probably a way to just kind of clear his mind or just like connect with nature in a way to keep him grounded in some ways. He's a huge, huge park person. Like he would much rather be at the beach or the park. He would sit with his guitar for hours and just play outside. That was just Mm -hmm. him, period. His natural nature. I can definitely understand that. So we we have the first baby, and I remember that. I was just like, what? <laughs> and so that was amazing, right? And so we're watching the evolution of your love. And the beauty of that was when you go to poetry sets and you go to festivals and things like that, that's the beauty of those environments is that you can take your children with you. And one thing that I've always admired about you and Raj was that your children were always with you wherever you were. There was hardly ever a time when they were left behind so that the two of you could go do something. And I'm sure there were times when that happened because you need your time together. But your children were incorporated in the activism, in the poetry, in the music. I remember being at a coffee shop and being on stage holding babies while the both of you performed, you know, and I just, that right there, just the importance of family and the way that your love was expressed in that way was really important. And it's still important to community because, you know, and you are a white woman who lives in the South with a black man who is very loving and caring for his family. And that's different than the narrative than we're used to seeing. Like I said, and a lot of that was, you know, 
luck of luck of the draw of finding the right people in my life and, and, and being able to, to actually listen to them and, and understand their experiences um, in order to, to get to that point. I mean, you know, by the time that I'd met Raj, I had, you know, been married to my ex-husband was also black. And so like I said, his family had embraced me when they were in, they were all in. And, you know, and so I had a lot of experience with just being around people and understanding the pain and the hurt, but also the love and the joy of, of being black in the South. And, you know, while I am not a black person, the thing is I could understand the joy and the pain and, and in their expressions and then what I saw them go through. So by the time I met Raj, I had a lot of those experiences. So we weren't starting over. Like I wasn't new to that. And I, you know, and the good thing is I think that because he was very much, you know, you can call him a hippie you can call him whatever you want. You know, he was Mm -hmm. very much a free spirit. You know, what's funny is he never really identified when we first met, he never called himself a black guy. Like he never identified as black. He was always talking about being a human. And, And I always found that fascinating and frustrating all at the same time. Cause I'm like, you okay, you are, we're, you're in H town and you're from, right. and, you know, right. and, and other people have very much noticed that you're black, you know? Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and so, you know, like I said, and not that I was trying to make him be black because he was younger than me. I, I almost right. felt protective of him with that. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that sometimes that was a source of frustration for him because he's like, I know I'm black, but I'm like, okay, but, you lived in the suburbs. I mean, he grew up in Cyprus. <laughs> okay. And, and so okay. the funny thing is when he met me, I was living in third ward. Wow. So, you know, so basically, you know, I'm sure his parents were just like, why? What is going on? <laughs> what in the like, world is happening right now? Like, yeah. He moved you out of the, out of the ghetto to get into the suburbs. So, you know, right. and here I am and all of us being in third ward and fifth ward, Sunnyside, South Park. And yeah. You know, and like I said, he was right there. I felt very protective of, but you know, believe me, it's not like he didn't know. It's All interesting that. he identified as human. It almost as a way to protect himself very early. You know, pretty it sounded like he created not that he created that, but he he understood that better as a way to protect himself from whatever traumas that he had already experienced as being a black man. You know, and, because and also, Austin was not. You know, I I don't know what his experience was there, but there probably were not a lot of black people there. You know, the thing is there weren't, but he had, but they were an interesting mix of people. And like I said, hopefully if they listen to this, they understand, you know, everything I say is out of love for them too, because I've been able to embrace them. They've embraced me as family and friends and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, and they were a genuinely interesting group of people. Like they had his back. They were Asian, they were white, they were Mexican, they were all kinds of people. And um, and so, like I said, he had a very eclectic group of friends that were around him and are still fiercely loyal to him to this day, um, which, like I said, just shows the love that he put out there in the world and that he got back. And so I think the human thing, too, was also his understanding that we are so much more than just what people see. It was several different things as the reason why he identified as human. And, you know, because the thing is he wanted to elevate his mind. He wanted to elevate his, his love pattern. And, you know, and that's, and that's how he did it. Like that's for him to be so young 
exactly. and to have, you know, and had like evolved into that already, he was light years ahead of who he was as a person who was 24, 25 years old. He, his soul seemed like it was so much older than that. I don't think it ever crossed my mind. I've never even thought about how old he was. Not that I thought you were the same age, but one way or another, it just, it never crossed my mind. For me, he was almost like this interesting energy that just kind of came, like just kind of showed up (laughs) and, you know, just kind of exchanged really good energy with you and had a good conversation with you. And then he would just kind of like disappear back off into wherever he was. And it was very inviting. I remember him asking me a lot, like, hey, we need to collaborate. We need to do this. We need to do that. Because that's when I was learning guitar and he would show me certain things if we were just out together. And he would always tell me, you don't need to take lessons. Like, you know what you're doing, you know, like, you can play. You're just not playing. Like it would just be these very interesting ways of him like supporting and lifting me up in a way to help me understand like, hey, you're a lot far, you know, you're a lot further along than what you even realize. Just own it. Like just do it. And that's very rare um, for, you know, to have a conversation who's so much younger And for them to be able to pull that out of you. So he was very magnetic in that way of seeing the good things in people and helping them kind of like believe in that. So he's almost like magic in a way. Yeah, he was very very magical. So then we start having more manifestations of this love and how, (laughs) and I remember being at a coffee house and I think you were sitting on the floor and I looked at you and I said, Kim, are you pregnant? And you were like, I better not be. (laughs) I said, okay. And then some time later, you were like, I cannot believe this. And you were pregnant again. (laughs) So I like to take this time to kind of talk about the beautiful children that you brought into this world. You know, the things that remind you of their father um, as it pertains to them and growing collectively. Um, we have uh, we have the the eldest, which is William, and he just yeah. turned eighteen. He graduates yeah. this year. Um, Diego is next; he's seventeen. Um, mm. Then you have Elijah, that will be sixteen this year, and uh, actually next month. Mm. Um, you have Judah, who just turned fourteen, and then you have uh, bringing up the rear, but. By no means, no means last in any book is Aaron, and he's turns nine in just a couple of weeks. That is awesome. They're just some of the most like amazing beings on this planet. And, you know, to have five boys, you know, people would always say, Oh, you don't want to try for a girl. And I'm like, honey, we can <laughs> if she ain't come out by now. And they would all be boys. I'm like, we do not make girls. And William is the, he's the most like Raj. I mean, sometimes it takes my breath away. Like if I mm. said something or if he laughs a certain way, it sounds exactly like Raj where I just like have to go, okay, that's not Raj. Wow. That's, it's, it's William, wow. it's William, it's William. And I mean, the way he moves, I mean, like I said, if anybody 
really took on a lot of of just those traits. It's definitely William, and really, and um, and it's been very interesting. He's also an Aquarius. Their birthdays were two days or uh, four days apart. So, wow. like I said, they just you know there's a lot of similarity. Yeah, and then and then Diego is a very strong willed, um, very uh, intelligent and driven. And, and he is probably the one who has grieved publicly the least. Um, really? He, he just, he's, he does not like to, and it's not really about showing weakness as much as he just, he wants to always be strong. And, and I say that and it might seem kind of confusing, but it's like, he wants to be that person that people go to. Okay. Now I know that he's grieved because he's done it in private. Okay. Um, and so, but it's been very interesting to see that. And I, and I struggle a little bit with him because I feel like he is holding too much in. Okay. Um, so I always try to help him find ways to release that, um, in, in a constructive way. Uh, Elijah is that middle kid. He's musical. He's been a drummer his entire life. He, mm. you know, he has a rhythm that most people don't ever understand. It's just so innate within him. He's just such a, a an amazing kid. He's been teaching himself guitar and ukulele, and you know, just wow, just yeah. He's just he's uh, awesome. He he actually can play "Blackbird" by the Beatles on ukulele. Just oh amazing. wow, yeah. And um and so I've been really interested to watch him develop um just with his gifts. And Judah, Judah is a genius. Like I said, all my kids are amazingly smart. Judah mm-hmm. is that kid that he can sit there and you think he's not paying attention to anything. He's maybe he's building with Legos. And the next thing you know, he's, he looks at the page once and like, he already knows how to put it together. Like he's always wow. that he's just amazing. Just the way his mind works. And he's always asked the most deep questions. Even as a, a little kid, he would ask, you know, like, why would God do this? Or why does this, I mean, just like things where you're going, I'm going to have to answer you correctly. Cause <laughs> you're not going right. to I say, after right. that. And he's going to fact check you on it. Yes. Oh, for sure. And then five years later, after mm-hmm. Judah born comes Aaron, like we thought we were done. Judah was the okay. baby. And then Aaron comes along and he's just the son. He's, he is. he's the son and such a good personality. Just one of those people that when you see him, he just makes you laugh. Like really, you can't be mad around him. Not on purpose. Oh, that is beautiful. And, um, and and he and and Raj were buddies. Like they went everywhere together because with him being the youngest, like, you know, the older they get there, everybody's doing their own thing. Yeah. And the thing is, and with Aaron being the baby, you know, they would go to parks all the time. They would go to the, Mm the museums. They would do all kinds of stuff together. So, yeah, because he's the only one that wants to do that. That's you know, true. at that age. Yeah, I'm like, sure, I'm going. Not a problem. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Microdosing with Alicia podcast. Join us for our next segment as Kim shares her move back to Victoria, Texas, the adjustment they had to make to small town living while raising five boys as an interracial couple. We look forward to speaking to you soon. Don't forget to click like, subscribe, and definitely share peace and progress.